Good morning. And welcome to morning prayers. Please join me, please stand as you're able and join me in a responsive reading of Psalm number 84, found on page 42 of your Black Psalter book. Eighty-four, found on page 42. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, indeed, and for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, and seen your prayers. Happy are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly.
Anil Shetty, and I want to begin by thanking you for giving me this opportunity to speak to all of you in this very distinguished and historic venue and to speak to this esteemed audience. Um, I should confess that having spent my first 10 years at school and college in Bangalore and in South India in a Jesuit institution, I feel almost like a Jesuit priest, often, although I was born uh, in a Hindu family. Um, but over my 35 years of working in, in the field of uh, development, rights, and justice, I have seen the work of the church, the Episcopal Church, but the Christian church in so many parts of the world standing up for rights and justice. And for that, um, I'm grateful to you, and the world is grateful to many of you who are part of this. I was going to begin by reciting a short extract from a poem from Rabindranath Tagore, who's one of the greatest poets from India. And he wrote this poem in 1910. Uh, I, I don't believe that he expected that this was a poem about human rights and justice in the way that we think of it now. But he did, and more importantly, I don't think that he would have realized that 100 years later, his words would be so relevant and so meaningful. So let me quote parts of it. So the, the poem begins from the Gitanjali, where the mind is without fear and the head is held high, where knowledge is free, where the world has not been broken up into fragments by narrow domestic walls where words come out from the depth of truth, where the clear stream of reason has not lost its way into the dreary sand of dead habit, into that heaven of freedom. O oh Father, let my country awake. Now, I'm sure that all of you are very aware that Tagore's dreams have become less and less true, certainly in the last 10 years, if you look back as to where the world has been going, our television screens have been full of war, conflict, people dying in Syria, in Yemen, in Myanmar, and things which even 10 years ago we would not have accepted. You know, children being killed in schools, in hospitals, um, funeral processions being attacked um, has now become normalized. We don't really think about this as much as we would a few years ago. We have all got numb to this reality. And the consequence of such severe conflict and the violation of international humanitarian law, the laws of war as we call it, has become so normalized. And now the consequence is the largest flow of refugees and displacement that the world has ever seen before. As we speak, even in the last few months, we've had thousands of people drowning in the Mediterranean Sea on the borders of one of the richest parts of the world, which is Europe. So there's plenty of blame to be shared across the world around what's behind this. And finally, of course, we have a whole new phenomenon, which is the phenomenon of elected dictators. Uh, whether you think of Turkey, or Philippines, uh, Venezuela, Nicaragua now, um, my own country, India, and, and of course, we have the sort of Trump phenomenon in this country. And most of these leaders in these countries, the regimes today, have little respect for human rights. So I should ask at this point, how many of you are optimistic about the future? Can I have a show of hands, please? That's good. That's brilliant. And I expected, this is, by the way, not the normal response in the audiences that I speak to, because it's very difficult not to feel downbeat and depressed in this kind of scenario. But I have spent the last eight years with uh, heading Amnesty International based in London. 
and our slogan inspired I think uh, you know from so many different places is and I can see the beautiful candles here so Peter Benenson who created Amnesty International said that you know we have to uh, light a candle not curse the darkness and that's been the inspiration for Amnesty's work and it's really about when governments fail where companies fail people come together and stand up for justice and stand up for rights so more than seven million people make up Amnesty International across the world and the consequence of people coming together and fighting for justice, I'll just give you one example, which is the long-term campaign Amnesty has run to end death penalty, the use of execution by governments in the world. When Amnesty started this campaign 40 years ago, there were only about 30 countries who were not executing people. And today it's the other way around. There's only about 30 countries still using this barbaric practice. Unfortunately, this is one of the countries which continues to use death penalty. Uh, with the pressure that came from ordinary people standing up, we were able to create, in collaboration with many partners, the Arms Trade Treaty, which is for the first time regulating the flow of arms between countries. The list is long, and you know, I wanted to, and if you just think about what's happened in the last one year, countries as far as Ethiopia, Zimbabwe, Malaysia most recently, we've had, you know, long-standing dictatorial regimes have been eased out and without a drop of blood being shed in a very peaceful way because people have stood up and, and said that, you know, no more. So I did, but of all the stories that I wanted to share with you, I want to end by just briefly talking about this one woman who has been my inspiration in the last uh, few years and, and she is a frail uh, lady, she's about 60 years old. I only met her for the first time when I went to Peru in the Andean uh, region near Cusco. Uh, and and she, uh, she has spent her entire life fighting against the companies who have contaminated the water in her village. She's a leader of an indigenous community and the contamination has led to severe health problems for women, children, families in that village. And she single-handedly stood up against the companies uh, without much support from the government to hold these corporations to account and she has been immensely successful not without struggles not without problems but people often ask me how do you stay optimistic in the face of everything that we are seeing and to me comes the face of Melchora the Peruvian indigenous woman leader who inspired me and will continue to inspire me so I do hope that all of you who are already optimistic which is very nice and who leave the church today will go back feeling that we can do more and the only thing that we can do is to make a difference individually and collectively. I, I do believe that it's not just a moral imperative but really the only strategy for success at this point in history. Thank you very much. Let us join together in reading the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you are able to join in singing hymn, the hymn Love is Kind and Suffers Long, number 331. We will sing the first verse only. 
hymn number 331.